so i'm very excited to be talking to you and and you know when i got this opportunity to have this conversation with you i was just thinking that i know you when you were an investor when you were in bessemer and 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 of course i very distinctly remember that you were one of the you know early investors who was so humble and genuine and 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 listening to my random story that time but you know why i'm bringing this here is you decided to start up being an investor you decided to start up and that to wealth tech startup with wisdom you would have done all your study and, and analysis what got you to start wisdom tell us that first yeah you know that can be a full fledged conversation but i'll keep it short look i think i had a great time as a venture capital investor i was an investor for about nearly 9 years uh, i think venture investing is possibly the best job in the world the only thing that i realized during the course of venture investing i realized the only job that kind of trumps venture investing is that of a successful entrepreneur <laughs> so as i kind of did more and more investing i realized there was this 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 desire that kept coming in saying that hey listen like probably i want to become an entrepreneur and build a business um you know uh, and that's basically what happened between 2011 and 2015 when i moved to bangalore and set up the offices for besmer Uh, had the fortune of working with some amazing, some amazing entrepreneurs, and that was the inspiration. So the the founders and entrepreneurs that I was working with and I was interacting with, they were the inspiration. And in 2015, I said, "Look, okay, you know what? You know, I'm going to quit and you know, turn an entrepreneur." And and that's how it is. And I continue to believe venture investing is an amazing job, probably the best job in the world, uh, uh, from from a variety of reasons. Uh, but if I could be a successful entrepreneur who creates value for customers employees shareholders you know that i think is a slightly a few notches you know better in, in at least that in my assessment it's not a value judgment it's just of my personal choice so hence i decided to quit and turn entrepreneur and once i decided to turn entrepreneur obviously i you know i'm not a <clears throat> i'm not a 20 something guy when i started right uh, <laughs> so it was not a impulsive decision it was a very very rational top down analysis bottom up analysis like all kinds of thought went into figuring out what to do obviously dabbled with a number of ideas but um, having been in financial services for such a long time uh, financial services was a very very natural uh, business uh, something that i understand very well second uh, you know uh, again first principles any market that you take um, has to be large enough to let you make mistakes <laughs> right and financial services is one such area it is it's kind of secular but also large enough to let you make uh, sufficient uh, mistakes and the third one was what is the penetration levels blah 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 uh, i think from a top down perspective it was very clear that in 2015 we had seen e-commerce we had seen transportation we had already seen the early waves of food as well uh, the next frontier of tech innovation um, led disruption was basically financial services and uh, healthcare which yes. always tend to be laggards in any case right so i am you know being having been in financial services you know that was the very obvious opportunity specifically look you know we want to build a, a broad based financial services company uh, we had to make a start somewhere so we decided to start with wealth uh, and within that specifically mutual funds Uh, you know, in 2016, uh, this was before uh, you know mutual fund sahi hai campaigns. This was before demonetization. So the mutual fund was not, uh, or that broadly wealth was not as mainstream as it is today. So market was severely, severely underpenetrated. Even now it is, but even then it was much more. So when we looked at the opportunity from a top-down perspective and a bottom-up perspective, <clears throat> here is an industry that is. Uh, from a technology perspective can be expanded significantly there is an access problem there is a, a trust problem there is a complexity problem let's solve this through uh, you know technology and that was the endeavor with which we started uh, and it's been um, you know more than 4 years and the journey is uh, continue to be quite amazing you know it's uh, <laughs> it's amazing fun i'm i'm so glad i took that plunge which was fairly counterintuitive at that point of time but in hindsight You know, one of the best things, and I keep saying, look, why did I not do ten years before? But I think we, we can't go back in time. You know, with so many players and everyone eyeing this space in India, with Fistum, how are you creating differentiation? How have you grown? And then, if you have to tell us the Fistum story, t- tell us what what is happening. No, you're right. I think any um, large market, underpenetrated market, will attract uh, sort of players, right? In 2016, when we started, 
there were hardly one or two players in this space. Um, since our progress over the last three, four years, we've seen Paytm coming in, you know, phone pay coming in, uh, you know, hope at some point on Google might come in, Amazon might come in and stuff like that. Right. So I think yeah. uh, that sort of uh, inevitable, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a business where there are sort of, let's call it limited you know, entry barriers, right. Uh, you know, somebody with a yeah. large distribution pipe can overpower you in a small period of time. So I think the way I look at it is if I traverse the journey from 2016, when we started, it was an open slate. We did a bunch of innovations that helped solve those three key problems that I talked about, you know, um, access, simplicity, and trust. Uh, those are three things that we wanted to solve. Uh, you know, KYC was a pain, continues to be pain, but thankfully Aadhaar has simplified significantly, but uh, we were the first company to completely digital, digitalize the whole KYC process where you could just take pictures of your documents and upload and, you know, KYC gets done. Uh, and now that's mainstream, pretty much every competitor, even AMCs, you know, many other institutions use that. I've been able to do a lot of these little, little innovations like, you know, uh, digitizing KYC, enabling payment gateway for purchasing, you know, financial products, specifically mutual funds. All of that we did in the first one or two years, 2016 and 2017. By then, mutual fund Sahihya campaign got started, you know, it became a little bit more mainstream. Then demonetization happened, which was a big lever where, uh, you know, uh, the, the trend of financialization of physical assets was, you know, suddenly given a huge push. It's anyway, yeah. but suddenly people realize, hey, listen, look, we have to do a lot of other things. Money is moving to the banks from there. What do I do? I think that trend accelerated it helped us as well. And after that, you know, we had these bigger, larger, uh, you know, unicorns started sort of coming in, right? And we are aware of the risks in terms of what uh, uh, these things entail in terms of uh, in terms of threat, uh, which is why one of the first innovations, apart from the product innovations on the distribution side, we did was, um, you know, yeah, Paytm will have its own 15 crore, uh, 20 crore, whatever customer base that they have, they will on they will want to sell their wealth products. How do we create our own uh, unique distribution chain, which is where we uh, we went and partnered with tier two, tier three banks, where they have large customer base, but they are not working like a universal bank. Like for example, mm -hmm. we work with uh, banks like Karnataka Bank, City Union Bank, um, you know, Allahabad Bank, Indian Bank, Oriental Bank of Commerce, um, you know, Lakshmi Vilas Bank, and so on and so forth. We work with about twelve banks and another four NBFC slash digital partners where their customers use a FISDEM app uh, or the FISDEM SDK along, integrated along with the, or their mobile app to access these financial products. So bank acts as a trusted, you know, sort of a platform slash intermediary to the customers, right? So the cumulative customer base of our bank partners today is actually 20 crore. Wow. And, and these are exclusive, non-competitive access to customer base. Uh, and also more importantly, uh, some of the bank partners that we work with uh, they're very strong in tier two, tier three markets. Mm. You know, you know, they are actually go up to tier four, uh, you know, tier five as well, right? And so these bank partnerships give us access to this unique, uh, you know, a sort of non-competitive access to customers. And these are business partnerships. These are not white-labeled software partnerships. So the customer is using FISDOM. So the customer uses FISDOM and whatever revenues we make, there is an economic arrangement to split the revenues in a in a certain. But Subhu, I want to ask you this because this is very important, and 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 congratulations to you and your team for having this partnership and the foresight to go and make this partnership happen. And this is very important for all the small startups and emerging startups. What? Banks are traditional large entities, right? How did they trust you, and how did they, uh, you know, decide to partner with you? Yeah, it's it's not been easy. I mean, it, it, it's a path that we've stuck to for the last four years. Uh, within three months of going live, we said, "Look, we're going to go after banks and sign them as partner." Mm. Uh, you know, we had two early successes. Um, you know, one was Lakshmi Vilas Bank, which is a small three million customer based bank down south. And the other one was Bank of Baroda. You know, those are the two early successes where basically we went and showed them the comparison between what a similar sized bank can do by make, making wealth management available to their customers. Uh, we had like it took six to nine months to convince those banks. Thankfully, both the banks were led by, you know, forward looking, future looking, futuristic CEOs, if you will. And they bit the bullet and we were also a small startup. So there was also an element of, Hey, listen, look, let's, I think it's an interesting startup run by interesting founders. You know, let's try and work with these guys. If it doesn't work, doesn't work. Let's go with this. Right. 
So we were able to sign those two uh, in 2016, 2017. Uh, then we had a long desert, 2018, absolutely nothing. Uh, we were, we met every bank three times, four times, five times over multiple Hira, you know. Finally, the, all those efforts paid off in 2019 because by then we had some proof of our performance with the earlier two banks. Mm-hmm. We were able to show, hey, listen, this is, a, this is how we are able to serve the customers. <clears throat> this is what the customers are making. This is how the bank is benefiting from it. And so 2019 was what I would call as the year of uh, eating the proof where proof you know, was where we get the results, where we ended up signing Oriental Bank of Commerce, Karnataka Bank, City Union Bank, Allahabad Bank, like a plethora of banks. We signed like 10 new partnerships, including Bajaj Finser, which is, you know, as you know, large, uh, you know, NBFC, TVS Credit, Future Group, bunch of partnerships got signed in 2019. So, uh, and all of them we are trying to execute and we were pretty much well doing, you know, first quarter of calendar year 2020 was a great uh, calendar, um, great quarter. And then COVID hit and then, you know, uh, there was a difficult period for a couple of months and then we are looking back up. So today we have access to about 20 crore retail customers through our bank partnerships and the <clears throat> distribution access that we have through, through these banks is 20,000 branches. The cumulative branch network of our banks is 20,000 branches. So, you know, people like you and I won't go to go to a bank branch. We do everything online. But there's a large physical world in India, right? Nothing is purely online. Yeah. Year two, tier three town, bank continues to be a hub of economic activity. So customers walk into a bank branch and, you know, so we get access to those bank branch network where we could have our posters, we could have our people to engage with the customers in a very, very holistic way. So I think this was, um, you know, it's, it's taken a lot of effort. Today, uh, we, I'm glad to say that, look, we have 100% market share. There's nobody else who does this in this model. And we've, we've got certain credibility. You know, people know, like most bank CEOs, management teams know that, hey, listen, look, I think here is a team that's capable of delivering results in this, uh, you know, innovative model. And there's no comparison, really. So there is no global comparison for what we are doing, which is build a B2C product and work with banks to deliver through B2B2C. This is a unique Indian story because... India is the only country which has got some deeper penetrated banking system across the country, tier two, tier three, tier four, even villages, there are bank branches, you know, of government owned branches, right? And we have a mix of private banks, old generation private banks, government banks. So it's been, uh, it was not easy. But in hindsight, we are glad that uh, we stuck to that strategy and it is now paying off results. You know, I am seeing this, Subhu, I see this as a case study, right? Because one is that you thought of an idea where many would say, nee, bank is that we shouldn't, right? Like it is not going to happen or forever. So first you thought of a very alternate, different way of doing things. Second, you got to uh, banks early, you know, early banks and as customers and persevered and waited and didn't give up. And then you had a proof of concept also to show and then you got all the banks. This is phenomenal. And I think this is uh, very important for all of us to... Uh, uh, to see because again very difficult space like you know cracking banks yeah yeah it's, it's not easy and even now even with such track record and credibility now even when we go to a new bank obviously its access is easier but banks go through their own strict evaluation process in terms of commercials technical uh, security you know yeah. all of it right and thankfully we now have some templatized responses to all the concerns that banks have so we're going to be doing more. We just, uh, you know, just last week we signed up with Indian Bank, which is a, a large bank, uh, you know, with 3,000 branches and, uh, you know, combined customer base of Indian Bank and Allahabad Bank, like literally almost 10 million. So I think, I'm mean, sorry, 100 million, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the, the patience is sort of paying off. So that's the, going back to the earlier question, that's the, also the, you know, you know, distribution uniqueness. Look, you know, yeah, there is competition from larger funded, well-funded players. But from a distribution perspective, we have our own uniqueness. From a product strategy perspective, you know, we've been doing a lot of things from the day one, like, you know, digital KYC. This is all before whole Aadhaar came. Uh, we are looking at ourselves as a broad-based financial services platform over a period of time, which will include not just one product. You know, today, as I said, we're already live with five products, mutual funds, pension funds, gold, health insurance, and life insurance. Mm. And the four products, credit is going live. You know, sometime next year we'll have other you know uh, products which are which will come onto the platform. So holistically, you know, provide uh, you know financial services to uh, you know customers who don't have access to it. So that's the uh, you know uh, slightly broad broad based 
differentiated product strategy and a distribution strategy which is focused on uh, uh, partnership and what it does is uh, it makes us capital efficient you know uh, we've raised uh, or uh, uh, we've raised about 110 crores over the last 4 years uh, and we've spent only about 30 35 crores uh, you know maybe around 40 crores if i had to take if i had to right you know we've been very very frugal and capital efficient because we don't spend on marketing we don't spend on you know you know tv you know facebook and google and stuff like that is like not necessary for us so so it also makes our business a little bit more uh, capital efficient look you know as a vc you know you as a, as as having been in there so you've seen it long enough i've also seen as a venture investor Uh, at some stage, unit economics has to make sense, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> objective is to uh, objective is to create a valuable business, but also to create a profitable business. <laughs> yeah, that, so it speaks the investor in you. Do you have and then you being an investor, have you built a tech team or a data analytics team which studies the behavior of Indian consumers? And what are some of the learnings that you've uh, uh, got which you could share with us? Yeah, so you're right. Twenty crore is a massive number. I mean, even if we're able to penetrate one percent of that in the next two to three years, we'll be home, right? So uh, you know, we've got a access. We've solved the access problem for us as a company. We still need to solve many other problems in terms of the spots that you sort of mentioned, right? So we have a you know tech team based out of Bangalore and a data analytics team, data science team that sits in Bangalore. What we've also done, I'll take a slight detour and come back to addressing your yeah. question. we also have uh, about 150 people strong uh, sales and distribution team across the country um, right. these people enable and uh, enable the banks to be able to uh, you know sell to their customers uh, right. uh, like you know we train the you know branch managers circle officers all of that we train them so for that we have built a 150 people strong sales team across the country in 100 different locations right so that's been a huge investment we have made and that's paying off results significant as it because some of our banks some of our bank partners have significant presence in tier 2 tier 3 towns and sometimes uh, you know we underestimate the wealth and affluence in some of these towns so i think some of the insight that we've learned uh, shraddha is that you know one uh, sitting in south bangalore south bombay south delhi we typically underestimate the uh, underestimate the uh, affluence of tier 2 tier 3 towns we underestimate the technical sophistication of tier 2 tier 3 towns and we also underestimate the risk taking ability of tier 2 tier 3 towns so okay. we think hey, listen look they are not aware of it and we have now data to say hey listen look you know for example 70% of our customers come from outside the metros right mm-hmm. uh, 65% of our sales happen or cross inflows happen from outside the metros people use mobile apps people are used to whatsapp and upi apps and facebook so they expect similar kind of an experience from uh, us as well uh, from any product right even from the bank partners as well right so our bank partners customers are very happy they say look fisdom is the best part of the bank partners app you know obviously we are a tech company based out of bangalore we are not more not more nimble so i think <clears throat> that's one aspect you know that we found we've been surprised by uh, affluence of tier 2 tier 3 towns uh, tech sophistication this taking ability you know that's sort of you know one unique thing that we've found and we've been kind of looking to double down on that strategy by having as much focus on smaller towns like you know shimoga mysore bangalore hubli and some of the towns i'm naming in yeah. karnataka where we have a strong presence because of karnataka bank right um and the second thing is the broadly i would say the risk taking ability of an average indian is uh, uh, has gone through significant transformation which is something that we don't recognize we have a you know when we were growing up or even 10 years ago we were told look we are very risk averse very risk averse means mm. it significantly changed the risk taking ability of an average indian over the last 5 years is significantly more than what it was and that kind of comes out in multiple ways where people are willing to invest in equities people are willing to uh, you know if you go to a talk to a millennial where they are willing to quit their jobs without having a new job and you know it throws up in and this is cross this is not just in you know the the tech bubble of bangalore if you will this happens across the country where we've seen um you know the risk taking ability of the 20 to 30 year old uh, you know uh, male or female today is like 3x 4x of what it was 10 years ago and risk yeah. across 
I'm not just taking financial risk. It's career risk. It's financial risk. You know, all kinds of risk, right? So I think uh, that's another thing that we've seen where people are willing to experiment a lot. Uh, people are, uh, and the third one is fairly obvious, which is the you know people uh, fairly aspirational, right? I mean, India is an aspirational country. They want to try newer and newer. So I think those are things that we've found from our you know from our deeper engagement across the various. regions sub regions tier 2 tier 3 towns in india which is you know which is pleasantly surprising something that we uh, did not expect the last thing i would add is uh, you know <coughs> you know markets correct markets go up one of the most counterintuitive behavior that we've seen is uh, people haven't sold um, you know when the markets have corrected uh, people sell more when the markets hit lifetime high like like yesterday markets it uh, you know lifetime high right and today probably we've seen the most redemption in the whole of 2020 uh, where people think are lifetime high ho gaya matlab you know may not go up from here or it may take long time to go up from here so it's very counterintuitive we thought when the market correct by 30% like you know the post covid scenario people are going to just sell and move on that didn't mm-hmm. happen people stuck to it actually there is more uh, running away from the market happened you know today yesterday because of uh, that's again you know we didn't you know it was a counterintuitive thing then obviously now we understand why uh, because when the markets were down by 30% they saw if they had 100 invested 100 rupees they saw it 70 rupees are 30 rupees lost i'm not going to book the loss now markets came back now there suddenly 70 seven had become 70 now it's 105 or even 100 are look i've got my money back let me sell and wait for other day to get in right and again yeah. counterintuitive behavior that we were not expecting uh, customers at large to sort of uh, you know do it uh don't have data look you know we could speak a lot in terms of what's average demographic profile and stuff like that there's a lot of data you know we do um, you know look at i think our average customer 70% of our customer you know not surprisingly that is in the 28 to 40 years of age group mm. uh, 65% male 35% female uh 60 to 70% tier 2 tier 3 towns and rest coming from metros Uh, i would say our male to female ratio gender ratio is a little better than the industry industries are about 85 15 or 80 20 uh, most tech companies tech enabled wealth company wealth tech companies will have a slightly superior ratio in gender versus the rest of the industry uh, but that's the <coughs> kind of demographic data uh, that our customers uh, throw have thrown upon us you know subu uh, the question when you were saying this with this the, you know the pa- passionately you're talking about your consumers and what you're seeing i wanted to ask you that how do you as an entrepreneur think about your brand system like you know the affinity the the connection the consumer has and 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 what are you doing in that direction that you know people love system and and and, and there is a brand association to it Yeah, so I think you know it's a great question, you know, uh, because it's one of those things that we've thought and we've like there's juries out whether we've done a good job or not a good job. Uh, see, because we build a B two C product, because but the distribution is all through partnerships, right? So one school of thought that we we've, we've had is, hey, listen, look, we don't really need to invest and create that brand from a marketing led brand, right? Let the customers' usage create that brand versus us going and you know doing marketing which is a way to create a brand right because it's mostly channel led right banks tell their customers to use hence we get customers if the customers are happy they'll tell five other people and hence kind of you know brand gets built uh the other way to look at it is hey listen look <clears throat> even if you are a channel led you are still in competition you know from an end customers perspective with a larger more funded or a, you know good name so you still need to create a brand so i, I would say we've uh, we've not done a we uh we we're taking steps towards a second the first one we've done a great job so the bank acts as a trusted intermediary yeah. i think at least for for us what we want the customers to know uh, about us is uh, you know accessibility trust and simplicity uh, we want to make as many products as possible accessible to as many people as possible kind of you know people call it democratization of financial advice and us and lots of other people are doing the second one is you want to make things as simple as possible you know financial products you know as you know sada have always been sold through jargon see through <laughs> jargon is possible so the customers get confused and say boss batao where do i sign just you know take this money or go away <coughs> you know every product whether you take an insurance product or a mutual fund or you know even a loan product is so made into such a complex product so what makes make things simple you know easy to understand so that the fear of unknown goes 
the third one most important is trust right you know we are not a credit we are not a lending business where i'm giving the customer money the customer gives is giving us money yeah so huge trust in terms of what uh, we do with that money right uh, so i think those are the three things that we want the customers to remember for and trust we also have an additional lever of these banks because these some of these banks have been in existence for 100 years many of them more than 100 years right so the customers association with them and their association with us gives us that nice cushion of trust hey listen look you know you know this is uh, endorsed uh, in a way that's right it's trusted and you know it's trusted sort of a thing right but how is it that we want to we want to be known for that as well from you know uh, from the end customers point of view as well uh, from a from a brand creation perspective from a marketing led brand is something that we've not uh, invested because of the whole channel led strategy yeah and and that is i think that's the biggest endorsement also right because banks stand for trust Correct. so that problem is getting anyway solved yeah yeah uh, so we have to ask you this because, and again because you are an entrepreneur in the financial space and you've been an investor what's your north star metrics in the company what are some of the things that you track yeah so again a great question so for the first uh, uh, for the first uh, Three years or so, Shreda, we were, you know, in fact, you know, till recently, as recent as six, eight months ago, the North Star metric in the company was number of active customers. Hmm. That was the North Star metric. Um, of late, over the last few months, over the last six months, uh, the North Star metric has moved from number of new customers to net sales <coughs> or sales every month. What's the total inflows that is coming into the company every month? Uh, that's the you know. change we've made and we are also um, large enough as a company uh, to have two or three metrics to chase as opposed to one in the initial stages you're right you know you should have one metric and that was number of customers and we grew from zero to about you know two and a half lakh customers in over a period of 3 4 years um, and now we have you know two three things that we look for uh, one is the inflows the second is you know number of customers the third is the revenues as i said we are also a revenue conscious <laughs> focused and a cost conscious company cost is under control you know uh, you know that you know that's you have really- money in the bank you have most of the money in the bank yeah, yeah so we been you know we we are fortunate to have some amazing investors our board is awesome uh, so to that extent i think you know cost i worry less <clears throat> but from a from a from a north star metric it is in this order inflows number of customers and um, and as a derivative of that you know revenue so that's sort of what we are uh, looking at as i said look we we want to build a profitable business over a period of time today we have the cushion of capital but then again uh, it's not a good thing to be always dependent on uh, external capital uh, so that's our view i want to ask you your segment the segment you operate in and what is the lens of this segment how do you uh, evaluate your yeah good question i think Uh, again um, a large part of india's affluence does not come into the formal economy you know that's one thing that we need to sort of keep in mind of the formal economy you know i think what kunal says is bang on right you know which is you know 30 to 40 million users maybe go up to 50 million uh, you know i think that's the right sort of a number when we look at wealth sort of wealth you know or the broader financial is the wealth business right so the the total number of people by any yardstick that you will see you know suddenly feels like a puny market so the total number of people who access any kind of financial product other than a fixed deposit in india is about 20 million okay mm. um, so let's say let's say mutual fund about 2 crore people have invested in mutual funds in this country the number of people who bought a term insurance you know which is a real insurance that anyone needs is about 5 million give or take you know one here and there like about 5 million right uh a uh, uh, number of people who have invested in pension is again a smaller if you exclude provident fund right now you compare this number with uh number of pan cards which is about 40 crore uh or you compare this number with the number of people who file taxes which is about last year it was about 6 crores maybe this year it will be 7 crores we don't know right uh so i think if you look at to me the formal economy for our business is number of pan cards and number of tax filers because those are the ones uh, who are um, who can afford to buy right and that number is growing so to me uh, the 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 way i look at the total addressable market from uh, from a numbers perspective is about 10 crore so i think over the next 5 years 
India can have about 10 crore people who will access financial products digitally. Uh, I mean, I say financial products, I mean non-credit financial products, which includes, you know, wealth, insurance, you know, gold and all of this, equity broking and all of this, right? So I think that number, the total addressable market is about 10 crore. Um, yeah. And that's where we will get to. I mean, where will, if you were to hypothesize, if you were to ask me, where will this two crore number be uh, in five years from now, I would hypothesize that somebody's going to be 10 crore. Uh, and that ma- that market will be beyond the affluent club that uh, you know Kunal talks about, because the barriers to access this is very very low now. You know today you have small pockets, sachet size insurance products. Uh, the minimum to start for you to start investing is hundred rupees. You can buy one share of a company at like two hundred rupees. So one of the things that has happened over the last four years is barriers to entry have come down significantly. Uh, unlike earlier days, customers had to invest minimum. 10,000 rupees, 50,000 rupees, that barrier has come down. So it's very easy for people to, you know, get on board with any of these products. So my, the way I look at the TAM for the next five years is is about 10 crore uh, Indian uh, sort of consumers. One other thing I would add is, you know, again, look, this data in India, we have to kind of live with a lot of data, right? I think, uh, you know, 30 to 40 million people right now. uh, I, I think, to me, uh, at least my view is it's 30 to 40 million households and not 30 to 40 million uh, individuals. The moment you add the households, including spouses and you know parents, possibly, suddenly you realize, hey, listen, look, there is a there is actually a much wider uh, you know population that could actually afford to invest in these financial products. Again, I said, you know, uh, uh, this is formal economy. Uh, as we go to tier two, tier three towns there is sufficient affluence that does not get into the whole formal uh, economy i'm not saying in a in a in a i'm not saying in a very uh, you know in a in a in a negative connotation in a yeah. it's not not like money is being laundered yeah uh, like you know it's just that the way the business is done let's say you look at a, a small town and you look at the traders in that city town or agri- agriculturists in the city it all happens through you know uh, cash, right? <laughs> and uh, uh, and when you when you look at that economy, it's actually pretty wide. And uh, you know, so I think that's my sort of view on how this uh, uh, industry, how the how I look at TAM versus what you know, this thirty to forty million addressable sort of uh, users in India. So, boy, you have some very good uh, investors uh, in your uh, uh, in your startup. If I can call it startup, are you calling it startup or now you have scale up or grown up? <laughs> Look, we are a startup. We are a startup. <laughs> yeah, so you have some very, very good investors. Just want to understand again for everyone's benefit, what was the pitch that got them excited besides you as an as an entrepreneur? And so, you know, interestingly, so that the our story has been sort of consistent from C to series A to series uh, uh, B and the reason why our uh, investors, uh, Sama Kona and Naspers, have liked us and invested in us is because of this unique strategy of, um, you know, we build a B2C product, but distribution through existing distribution railroads in a very capital efficient, partnership led manner. Uh, so, here's the thing when Sama invested in us, uh, we had not signed any bank partnerships. So, we told them this is what we are going to do, and we are about to sign this one bank, which is very close to signing. And they believed in our story. Hey, listen, this is interesting. We've not heard this. This is nice. With and thank and then we invest money from Kona. And when it is coming from Kona, we had these two banks that I talked about. The first two banks. There are others in the pipeline. We hadn't really signed anything. Uh, again, it was the same story. And you know, Ganesh and Varun from Kona said, "Look, this is again, this is a differentiated story that we like. You know, this is interesting from a, a unique." Sort of a business model in India. That's how it was. And the Series B that we raised last year from Naspers, again, the pitch was the same. But only difference is by the time we raised Series B, we had many more proof points in terms of our ability to strike these partnerships and uh, make them work. Even now, uh, uh, you know, I think the uh, there is a complete alignment between us and uh, uh, and the, and the board and the investors, which is, hey, listen, look, what's our uh, what's our USP? Why do we exist? It is, you know. We want to work in the work with these bank unique bank in the bank partnership model, uh, and uh, stick to it. You know, there is a there are there are other ways to build a wealth business, right? All the wealth tech business, which is you know B two C. There are players in the market who are focused on that. And look, you know, 
that's uh, absolutely the right path in an alternative world probably i would have taken the same path but today we have got this a um, thing going you know an amazing pool of uh, customer access uh, we want to focus on that deliver value to customers as a derivative deliver value to bank partners and as a derivative we you know uh, we have some value uh, for ourselves yeah 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 uh can you give give us an inside peek into the team at pistem and 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 how are you looking at the culture and 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 how are you and especially now during the pandemic uh what are some of the things that you've done internally yeah so pandemic like all of like everyone and every other company we're not an edtech company so we we are hurt grocery company so the first few uh you know april markets corrected by 30% we were not sure our bank partners had literally frozen with this whole you know credit recovery and uh, moratorium and all of that right like april may was tough generally tough and we yeah. thankfully we could move to work from home in no time because everybody in the company uses laptop um you know to that extent it was like okay fine work from home i mean that's it you know <laughs> we didn't have to do a lot of uh, and uh, thankfully we were fortunate to have an amazing team you know led by a very very high quality senior leadership team so uh, you know i you know anand is my co-founder uh, much like me he also uh, uh, worked uh, in the financial services industry for about uh, well 13 years before uh, we started he was an investment banker at uh, ubs and macquarie handling it services firm you know m and a of it services firm so so he also is and he's come from a business family uh, in the eastern part of the country so he's my co-founder uh, so two of us are the founders of the company and then uh, we have leaders for each Uh, we have a CTO Naren who has been with us for uh, since inception. So he leads uh, about fifty people engineering uh, team. Then we have a guy called Rakesh Singh who leads our sales team. Rakesh uh, was the country head of personal banking for Stancy before. Was uh, head of retail banking at SBC Bank. Uh, he leads the entire the, talked about one fifty people team, right? So he does. He leads that sales team. Karan, who's been with us almost since inception, he handles all the you know infrastructure functions for us, analytics, people function, uh, you know finance, and you know many other things. So I think I think like that. Uh, we've been fortunate to have a lot of other people, and I would you know if I start moving, yeah yeah up around the whole uh, the whole time. But I think one of the things I'm proud of is you know. uh 2016 was the first year when we got started kicked off and all of that right um i think the crowd of 2016 is still there mm. you know we've not uh, had any uh, most of the people from 2016 are still with us we've had one person who's left us from the 2016 crowd and that's also he went for his us mba and i wrote echo so to that extent i feel feels good that he's <laughs> uh i think from a culture perspective look you know it's a startup it's a flat organization uh the usual tenets of uh, a startup we are trying to uh you know instill as much as possible entrepreneurial risk taking outcome oriented uh you know respectful to everybody uh the you know the things that uh, you know uh, think big even if you fail i think it's fine i think those are the things that we try to uh instill across every you know part of the organizations uh part of the, obviously it's challenging in covid times uh it's challenging in covid times when you onboard people i mean i keep saying this a lot of culture dissemination in a startup happens through um uh, uh seeing each other right people come to office and they see how senior people or other people in the company are doing do they come in at 8 o'clock do they take four tie breaks do they take you know do they go home at four you know like do, you know i think a lot of uh, culture dissemination happens just by immersion right yeah uh, that um isn't happening uh, or is it tougher to do in these covid times because people don't know people don't see and what you have is a phone call or a zoom call and zoom at best is a is a is a is a poor substitute is a substitute to real life meeting right so that energy yeah. of startup buzzing energy of a startup gets sort of missed um you know uh, in in covid times uh, something what we've tried to do is look uh, you know over communication i think that's what we've tried you know communicate as much as possible hold as many team meetings you know informal team meetings as uh, as possible but i would say um uh it's not the same you know i think particularly for newer people who come on board for them it's like you know we're not a let's face it we're not a microsoft right we're not a microsoft or amazon where everybody knows what it is the beast is clear you know when an employee joins a startup like ours they're still sizing us we are sizing yeah. them well, right we are feeling for each other 
and some of those elements are tricky i would say we are doing our best to solve um, you know we've done six inductions uh, over the last uh, we've onboarded 120 people in the last six months wow during covid and all through zoom also all remotely uh, over two days and it, it's it, it's it's worked out well uh, but it's just not the same as uh, doing an induction uh, 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 you know, in person. I'm. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of. I'm not supporting that people should work in the office always. But this this onboarding part. If you are able to figure out a way, there is a there is a connection. Um, there is a certain immersion of the culture of the firm, values of the firm that they see what we do, how we do. Uh, then they can, you know, work from anywhere. What's the big vision? What's the big dream that you are living while building Piston? Yeah. Look, I think we want to build India's largest digital financial services company. I mean, that's our vision, okay? Uh, and that's the headline statement. Uh, we there are other bells and whistles to it, you know. In terms of we have a certain uh, uh, number of customers we want to serve, which runs into a few million. We have a certain revenue target in four, five, four to five years time. Uh, you know, all of that, right? But if I were to give you a sort of a headline sort of a thing, which is uh, we want to build india's largest digital financial services company uh, leveraging this uh, partnership led strategy that we we have a unique access into we made done the hard work over the last four years where we we got access to this large customer base in a in a unique distributed mod distribution model we want to leverage upon that and you know help customers uh, access the savings investment protection product solutions deliver value to them and in the process us also delivering some value i mean that's sort of what uh, you know keeps us uh, exciting and our role models are uh, you know straight forward you won't be surprised our role models are hcfc bank and bajaj bajaj finance <laughs> uh, i mean uh, we want to do everything that they've done but in a completely digital fashion i mean those are our <laughs> role models again no surprise yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it also what it gives us a peek into is that tomorrow there will be a lot more offerings for your customers that you will be coming out with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, you know, we uh, we started with mutual funds. Uh, then again, we were the first ones to completely digitize the whole work. Then we launched pension funds. We were the first wealth tech company to launch pension funds and completely digitized it. Um, then we moved to gold. Then we added uh, uh, health insurance last December. We added life insurance two three months ago. Uh, so I think those are the again you know there is something we hopefully hopefully launch in the next three four months. Uh, so every six to seven months we will bring some another. a uh, product that hope you know will also be innovative at the same time will give expand the access to the end customers and okay i can do a little bit more now i can you know with the same convenience i can do you know two three things more uh, so i think you know and at the end we'll have you know, a full bouquet of uh, financial services yeah and last i also wanted to ask you you know i'm hearing there are many people who are starting women uh, uh, wealth tech products for women right particularly at looking at women particular some looking at millennials some looking at the age bracket of 25 to 35 you know there's so many segmentations happening and i'm sure there'll be a lot more that we'll see uh, companies coming how do you look at that tomorrow are we going to see you particularly coming out uh, with this kind of segmentation also i think market is wide enough for a large number of players to coexist i mean this also in relation to your earlier question right there are lots yeah. of wealth tech companies fintech companies coming and after uh, coming after this market and i think financial services one of those interesting opportunities where multiple players can can coexist coexist like yeah. i see hcfc bank can grow at the same time indusind bank and uh, yes bank and uh, rbl bank can also grow right it the space for multiple people just because of sheer under penetration of the of the whole uh, market <clears throat> so i think to that extent people can slice and dice in multiple ways you talked about some of them at least for us i think the way we looked at is you know 28 to 35 is probably the customer base for us uh, maybe we could extend it to 40 um you know i think that's a segment sort of we are looking at it uh, you know because the product proposition for a 23 year old millennial <clears throat> tends to be a little different from a 35 year old uh, person because uh, you know from a ui ux perspective customer education perspective maturity perspective things tend to be sort of different at least our focus right now is <clears throat> part of it is also channel dependent because our channel has more concentration of this 28 to 40 year olds than you know 23 year olds to that extent i think our focus is more around 28 to 40 year old but 
market offers multitude of opportunities there's a millennial opportunity there's a women opportunity there's a 60 plus opportunity right for example yeah. you know uh, one of the things that as you know you must have realized is fixed deposit rates have plummeted in india earlier it used to be 10% 5 years ago now it is 4% yeah right? 5% in that range right you know if i am yeah. 60 years old i just got retired i got like say, let's say i got my pf money of 50 lakhs where do i deploy you know how do i deploy if let's assume assuming i'm reasonably healthy uh, right in a risk mitigated way how do i manage that money so there are age specific um, you know segment there are geography specific segment then there is gender based segmenting that one can do so market is large to support uh, you know many 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 companies i i would think the market can support easily 10 companies yeah 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 uh, so bu before i let you go uh, you know you are at a unique vantage point where you are seeing consumer behaviors consumers in fact their interaction with financial products if i have to say as of now are you seeing uh, because we are hearing so many views right like that the that market is reviving and economy is recovering very fast and imf has come that next fiscal will go back to 8.8% uh, growth in the gdp what are some of the early signals that you are seeing which you could share with us so okay you know again i'll there are multiple points from multiple perspectives here i'll share i think on the <coughs> on the economy front i think we are recovering i think there is just no doubt about it um, uh, uh, the gst numbers are an indicator um, you know toll data is an indicator sale of uh, you know vehicles is an indicator there are multiple data points that are coming out that shows that the economy is recovering is it a rebound effect is it a secular growth we will know i mean obviously the government needs to do multiple many things to keep this sustainable you know there were some reforms that were done so i think clear <coughs> clearly the economy is recovering there is just no doubt about it and that will reflect into uh, markets and market prices you know some people say sensex is already factored in uh, some people say hey listen you know there is a lot that will happen right i think uh, i am a you know long term you know bull is a wrong word i'm a long term optimist which is why i have quit my job and doing this <laughs> uh, we are on a multi year 20 year trend of financialization of physical assets in india uh, people have historically stored wealth in real estate and fixed deposits in gold uh, and, and cash and all of that is moving into financial markets in in, in some of these products that we deal with right so i think from a <clears throat> from a market perspective for for our business i think it's a 10 to 15 year sort of a trend that we are going to see uh, economy is definitely recovering i think the the, the signals are clearly uh, visible uh, the last thing i would say is uh, there is ample liquidity in the uh, in the system you know i mean uh, this is something that i read uh, the last uh, you know few ipos that opened before uh, you know uh, like they attracted yeah. uh, 3 lakh crore bids you know in july and august september i think in the three month period we had 3 lakh crore worth ipo bids were that were made i mean that tells us how much of um, liquidity which is keen to be deployed into you know useful use i mean productive use is available right and you know and 3 lakh crore in just three month period and if you look at what is the retail mutual fund aum in this country it's like you know 12 lakh crore 15 lakh crore right so i think that that gives us a sense of how much of um, you know um, unserviced uh, need is out there i mean that's from more from a from a from a demand perspective but i think in general you know uh, uh, i would say very very optimistic about the prospects of the markets and the economy over the next 3 uh, to 4 years the journey of being a startup entrepreneur what has been your personal evolution if you can share yeah look very 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 relevant topic i keep thinking about it a lot of time and uh, i think <coughs> it's been an amazing transition uh, venture investing is a very <coughs> thinking job you know uh, we end up thinking a lot about what to do where to invest lots of decisions little decisions right and entrepreneurship is a doers job you know we need to get things done i can't tell somebody else to do ki you know you do it you know like i can't it's not a board meeting where i go and discuss it <laughs> like if i had to strategize i can but i have to do it also like so i think that's one <laughs> you know sort of a big you know difference thinking versus uh, uh uh doing um 
and as a vc as an investor on the board of the company you have influence over the com- or over the ceos but you don't really control the control the ceo right but as an entrepreneur you have a little bit more control over the outcome if you will because the people are working for you 100% of the time <clears throat> you know so your attention is 100% here as a vc you give 5% 10% 2% of your time to a given portfolio company and if you are a large vc firm probably 1% whereas a, as an entrepreneur this is it this is all there is nothing else you know you wake up and think about wisdom you 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 just think about wisdom <laughs> right whereas as a vc you could think about whatever is the flavor of the day right whichever is a good company that day you know you feel good about it and you know and <clears throat> as a vc if you make 10 investments you get two right your home or you get three right your home like right? as an entrepreneur you got one and you got to get get that one right for it to be a successful sort of a company right I, I, all I would, at the end i would say is i think look uh, this is an honest uh, submission i think uh, uh, um i think i realized after starting the company that building a business into a credible company is lot harder than i had thought mm. right i think it's incredibly harder than what i had imagined or visualized as as a as a as a as a as a ringside viewer i knew entrepreneurship was hard people work hard long hours and stressful times you know you go through these emotions where uh, every morning the company is at the cusp of a glory and at the evening the company is at the edge of a precipice so you know this whole entropy you know it had it had a visibility into it but i lived through it i did the whole <laughs> this is this is something that uh, it is an experience in itself you know you could be as close to you know viewing this but yeah viewing this you know sitting living through this entropy of you know glory and precipices as its own sort of a roller coaster way of uh, life right i think that's been a revelation for me uh, you know and uh, lots of other sort of nuances right you know uh, as a vc what happens is this train to think right we end up thinking five steps ahead okay i'll do this i'll do this i'll do this i'll do this okay then i mind says okay at the sixth door the door will be closed because you know you're a rational thinker your your mind is telling you, your brain is telling you look a b c d e cause effect you know f won't happen you know for these reasons <clears throat> whereas uh, you know as a result you end up not taking a lot of decisions whereas entrepreneurship is you know you don't think about f because the way you think is a b c d e f closes something else will open g will open yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, um uh, so there is a there is a lot of uh, uh you know merit to thinking about hey listen what if this works let's try this let's try this let's try this whereas a vc's mind is to you know uh is fundamentally trained to be a skeptic right because you know they are paid to see 100 pitches and say no to 99 yeah. <laughs> right right whereas uh, uh that's their job you know they're paid to say no uh to as many people as they walk to their like, the more they say no the better it is which means their hit rate is better whereas uh, as an entrepreneur uh, you know you have to try as many things as possible to make things work so yeah. so i mean look this is a uh, this is a very this is a larger philosophical discussion uh, you know this could go on for another half an hour so i'll pause there <laughs>